Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. Hello, this is Pastor Teacher Chris Hall, pastor of Mercedes Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. And it is good to have you with us uh, tonight on this Sunday night as we continue our study of the book of Revelation. Tonight, we're in Revelation chapter 16, verses 10 through 21. And I invite you to take your Bibles and turn there. And in just a moment, we will get into our study. Now, let me remind you, if you want to catch up with our study of the book of Revelation, you can go to the Facebook page of Mercedes Baptist Church. That's Mercedes Baptist Church, Albany, Georgia. Also, the audio uh, recordings of our studies can be found at truesforlifewithchrishall.com. That's truesforlifewithchrishall.com. And uh, you can go to that uh, website. And in fact, you can find not only our study of the book of Revelation, but the other studies that we are doing at Mercedes Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. And if you're in the Albany, Georgia area and looking for a church home, let me invite you to come and join us at Mercedes Baptist Church. We're at 2623 Moultrie Highway in Albany, Georgia. As you come out of Albany on what we call the Moultrie Highway, you'll uh, find us on the left as you come in from Moultrie. And uh, almost coming into Albany, you'll find us on the right. And we invite you to come and join us. We have Bible study on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. And then we have our morning worship time at 11 o'clock. And uh, we have just wonderful times of worship. We have wonderful music where we worship and honor the Lord. And then, of course, we open up the Word of God and uh, we study the Word of God. And uh, we have a wonderful fellowship, loving people. You will be blessed if you join us at Mercedes Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. Now, tonight we turn to Revelation chapter 16, verses 10 through 21. And let me take just a moment to kind of catch you up on where we are in the timeline of the book of Revelation. Now, the first event of a series of events that will eventually lead to the second coming of Jesus Christ, that first event is the rapture of the church. We've already looked at that in our study of the book of Revelation. And uh, that, that's the event where God will call every living Christ, uh, Christian every living believer on earth, up to meet him in the air. And as we go up, as the old quartet song says, as we're stepping on the clouds to see Jesus, he's going to change us and he's going to transform us. He's going to make us ready and fit for heaven. He'll change our bodies. He'll glorify us and we will be made fit for heaven. And then the Lord's going to call forth all of the bodies of those believers who have died. And uh, he will uh, resurrect those bodies, rematerialize those bodies, remake those bodies, and he will glorify those bodies. And those bodies, those earthly bodies that were left behind on earth when the, <clears throat> when the believer died, his soul, their soul now in heaven, those um, uh, bodies of the believers and the souls of the believers will be rejoined together. And uh, as the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture of the church. Now, that's the next great event uh, on uh, God's prophetic calendar. And we believe as you look at the Bible, as you study the Bible, the rapture of the church could be coming very, very soon. And that's the first event of a series of events that will lead to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Not long after the, uh, the rapture of the church, 
in the chaos and the confusion that will be left behind by the great disappearance of all of these believers and the disturbances of all of their graves, in the chaos that happens in the world after that, uh, one man will ascend to essentially become the ruler of the world, and that is the Antichrist. And when the Antichrist signs a seven-year security treaty with the nation of Israel, we've studied this, uh, that is the moment when the seven years of tribulation begin. And the seven years of tribulation, during that time, God will pour out his wrath and his judgment upon a world that has rejected him. But God is first and foremost a God of grace and mercy. And as he's pouring out that wrath, he's also extending his grace and his goodness to those who are lost. And the Bible says that multitudes will be saved even during the time of the tribulation. And uh, eventually, after the seven years of tribulation, then Jesus will come again. He will set up his millennial reign on this earth, a remade earth. And then after the end of that thousand years, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to study that in future studies here in our study of the book of Revelation. But tonight we're in Revelation 16, verses 10 through 20. And uh, we're in the latter part now of the seven years of tribulation. Now, last week we looked at the first four of what is called the bold judgments of God. Uh, this is These are judgments that will pour, be poured out on the earth in the latter part of the seven years of tribulation. And those first four bold judgments were cancerous sores that will come upon those who have received the mark of the beast and those who have rejected Christ, those who are following the Antichrist. Second of all, there will, will be the uh, corrupted seas, and that'll be that the oceans and the seas will be turned essentially to blood, a blood-like substance, and fish will die, uh, marine life will die. It will be a terrible thing. Then uh, the next bold judgment that we looked at last week is the contaminated streams. All of the fresh water sources of the earth will then be turned essentially again to blood, and uh, no fresh water will be available on the earth. That is, that is the uh, third bold judgment that will come upon the earth during the latter part of the time of the tribulation. And then we saw in the next bold judgment the controlled sun. That is, the sun will heat up, superheat up, and uh, the heat will scorch mankind, uh, those who have rejected Christ, those who have determined in their heart to follow the Antichrist and the rebellion of the Antichrist, and Satan against God. Now, those are the first four of the bold judgments that we looked at last week in our study of the bold judgments. Today, we look at the final three of these bold judgments. The next bold judgment, the fifth judgment, we can entitle the beast confronted. We'll find that in Revelation 16, verses 11 uh, 10 and 11, and here's what the Bible says there. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. The place of this judgment is the throne of the beast, the Antichrist. The punishment of this judgment is that the Antichrist, the throne of the Antichrist, his entire kingdom, the entire world, is now plunged into a very deep and dark darkness. The perversion of this judgment is this. Once again, 
the people of the earth, the people of the kingdom of the Antichrist, those who are determined to reject Christ, even when they see this judgment, experience this judgment, once again, they refuse to repent. With the pouring out of this bowl, the judgment and the wrath of God now presses, it, presses its attack on the very throne of the Antichrist himself. With this bowl of his wrath, God confronts the Antichrist and his very headquarters. This judgment produces two reactions, two things. First of all, one of the first one is deep darkness. When this bowl is poured out, a deep darkness engulfs the headquarters of the Antichrist and all of his kingdom and the entire world. The darkness, this darkness, is symbolic of the darkness of sin and evil that grips the rebellious tribulation world. It will be a terrible world, nothing like our world today. When the rapture happens and the Holy Spirit of God, the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit of God to with, withhold evil away, when that is withdrawn, the tribulation world will be plunged into the deep darkness of sin and evil like has never been seen and experienced on the earth before. This judgment is a preview and it's a warning. It's a warning of the darkness of hell that awaits all those who rebel against God those with hard hearts who refuse to repent, those with determination who refuse to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus himself described hell as a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Occasionally, you will hear people make fun of the idea of hell and sometimes they will say something like, well, if I do go to hell, at least I'll be there with all of my friends and we will just have one big party. But my friend, the sad reality is that there will be no parties in hell. In fact, hell is a place of darkness. No one will be able to see anyone else in hell. One of the things that makes hell, hell is that it is a place of utter and complete darkness, a place of eternal loneliness, a place of eternal isolation. So the first reaction of this bold judgment is that it produces darkness. But not only does this judgment produce darkness, it also produces hardness in spite of the cumulative effect of the bowl judgments, in spite of the cancerous sores, the corrupted seas, the contaminated streams, the controlled sun, and now complete darkness, the wicked and unbelieving people of the world will defiantly still refuse to repent, to believe in Christ, to come to God. John says that even as they gnaw and chew their tongues because of the pain they are going through, instead of repenting, instead of coming to Christ, instead of coming to God, they will continue to blaspheme the God of heaven. This bold judgment will not lead to repentance, but greater hardness on the hearts of those and in the hearts of those who follow the Antichrist and his rebellion against God. By the way, this is the last reference in the book of Revelation to the willingness or the unwillingness of the believers of that day to repent. That's significant. 
Because now at this point, these sinners have finally reached the point of no return. They have repeatedly and defiantly ignored, ignored God's call to repent and believe. And now their hearts have become so hardened that they can't repent. Now they are confirmed and locked in their unbelief. The Bible says that the human heart tends toward hardness. What we are today will be more that way tomorrow. The person who rejects Christ today is more likely to reject Christ tomorrow. The longer a person refuses to come to Christ, the harder their hearts become toward God. And that's what has happened to these people. They have reached the point where they have forever shut the door of their heart to God. God did not shut that door. They have shut that door. That's why the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to repent and believe. My friend, if God has been dealing with you about your, your salvation, God has been dealing with you about your need to come to Him in repentance and faith, I would encourage you to do it today. Because tomorrow your heart will be just a little bit more harder against God and against what He wants you to do and, and what you need to do. I encourage you to come to Christ today. The next bold judgment is found in verses 12 through 16. This is the sixth of the bold judgments of God. And this judgment is the battle convened. Revelation 16, verses 12 through 16. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its, waters were, its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Then... Jesus adds this when this bold judgment is proclaimed. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place in Hebrew called Armageddon. The place of this judgment is the great Euphrates River. The waters of the Euphrates River are dried up. The punishment of this judgment is that demons deceive the kings of the east, that is, those kings east of Israel, to march westward across the dried-up riverbed of the Euphrates River to prepare for the battle of Armageddon. The promise of this judgment is a blessing a blessing to those who prepare their hearts for the return of Jesus Christ, a promise to bless those people who are ready for the return of Christ. Now, the Euphrates River is one of the most prominent rivers in all of the Bible and in human history. The Euphrates was one of the four rivers which the Bible says flowed out of the Garden of Eden. The Euphrates River begins in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And it flows for 1,800 miles through modern-day Iraq and Saudi Arabia until it empties into the Persian Gulf. 
When the sixth bold judgment is poured out, the waters of this great river, which will become massive and lethal and toxic as a result of the judgments of the tribulation, the waters of the Euphrates are miraculously dried up or parted like the Red Sea was in the day of Moses. God's drying up of the Euphrates River is not an act of kindness toward the kings from the east, east rather, but it's an act of judgment. This bold judgment is actually a trap, a trap for the kings of the east and their armies, a trap set by God. As the tribulation world crumbles under, under the devastating judgments of God, the Antichrist and the false prophet will set out to convince the kings and rulers of the world that the only hope of defeating God and rescuing the world, their words, from God's judgments will be to destroy the nation of Israel and to kill every remaining Jew on earth. The Antichrist will say we must defeat God and the only way to defeat God is, is to destroy the nation of Israel because if there is no Israel, then God cannot keep his promise to the nation of Israel. And if God cannot keep his promise to the nation of Israel, then all of the promises of God will fall apart. With the aid of Satan and demons, the Antichrist will convince the world through his satanically inspired rhetoric and deceiving signs that if Israel is defeated and destroyed, then God will be defeated because he then would be unable to keep his binding covenant promises to the nation of Israel. It could be that the kings of the eastern nations have had enough of the Antichrist, and they are reluctant to join in his plan. It could be that the kings of the east have decided to form their own coalition, their own government. Their reluctance to join the Antichrist will have nothing to do with repentance or turning to God. They will, just be, they will be just as evil and rebellious as they have always been, and probably more so. But probably they have just grown tired of the Antichrist. They want to form their own kingdom. They want to rule their own land. But when the waters of the mighty Euphrates River miraculously dry up, the Antichrist, very convincingly with his words inspired by demons, demonic words, the Antichrist will probably convince the leaders of the eastern nations that this is a sign that their armies, which Revelation 14 says numbers 200 million soldiers, this is a sign that their armies are to join the armies of the tribulation world in an all-out assault on the nation of Israel. As the massive armies of the east and the armies of the world converge on Israel, and the chosen assembly point in the valley of Megiddo outside the city of Jerusalem, little do they know that God is the one who dried up the Euphrates and that God is drawing them to the land of Israel. There that they might be devastated and destroyed in the battle of the great day of God the Almighty, the Battle of Armageddon. Verse 16, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming. 
That is meant to be a wonderful word of encouragement to tribulation believers who are alive during this time. It will be terrible for tribulation saints. But this is a word of encouragement from, uh, from the Lord. Hang on. Hold on. Behold, I am coming. And my friend, this is a good word for believers today. In the chaos, in the confusion of our world, in the fear of our world, we are to not lose faith and we are not to lose hope. We are to remember the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Behold, I am coming. God is in control of this world and Jesus is coming soon. And believers in Jesus who stay faithful to God, stay alert, stay holy, even when this world is falling apart, those believers will be blessed and secured by God. Finally, let's look at the seventh bold judgment that God will send upon the earth during the latter part of the time of the tribulation. And this bold judgment is blasphemy completed. It's found in Revelation 16, verses 17 through 21. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was great, a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And great hell from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent, 700 pounds. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, since the plague was exceedingly great. With the seventh bowl, the work of God's judgment on the tribulation world is coming to an end. It is now finished. The place of this judgment is in the air. The proclamation of this judgment is, it is finished. God has completed his work of bringing judgment upon the earth. God took seven years. He could have took seven seconds to bring judgment upon the earth after the rapture of the church, but he took seven years. Why did he take seven years? Seven years, because while he meets out his judgment, he extends his grace. God desires that none perish, but all come to repentance. Five punishments occur when this bowl is poured out. First of all, history's greatest, greatest earthquake occurs. Second of all, what is left of the city of Babylon is split into three parts. Thirdly, the great cities of the world collapse as a result of this great earthquake. That doesn't just happen in one place, one locale, one location. It's a worldwide earthquake. And it affects all the cities of the world. Number four, as a result of this earthquake, islands vanish. Mountains are flattened. Number five, hailstones weighing 75 pounds fall from the sky on the earth dwellers. Devastating judgment comes with this final bold judgment, the final judgment of God during the time of the tribulation. But instead of repenting, 
the believers of the world continue to blaspheme. They continue to curse God. My friend, my friend, you do not want to be in this world when the wrath of God comes. You want to be saved and you want to be out of here in the rapture. Throughout the Bible, we find many warnings to flee God's wrath. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. He's a long-suffering and merciful God. But when God's grace and mercy has been rejected so long, then God's judgment must come. And the Bible gives many warnings to flee the wrath of God, the wrath of God because of our sin. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says there, turn to God from idols. Turn from God, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. John the Baptist declared to his audience, and it's a word that is declared to the world today, flee from the wrath to come. John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. We are told to flee the wrath of God. Now, God would much rather save than condemn. God sent His only begotten Son into into this world to make salvation possible. God desires that none perish, but all come to repentance. And God reaches out constantly, continually to the lost to open their eyes and their minds to their lostness and to their need of Him. My friend, the longer you live in rejection and rebellion against God and refusal to receive His grace and mercy, the harder your heart becomes. It could be that one day you too will reach the point of no return. You will forever shut the door of your heart to God. That's why today is the day of salvation. And so how can we conclude our our study of this, uh, these bold judgments of God? Well, we know that God is in control of this world. Washington is not in control. No nation in this world is in control of this world. God, the God of the Bible, the true God, the one and only God, God is in control of this world. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus promised that he would come again, and he's coming soon. In fact, the Bible says more about the second coming of Jesus Christ than it does about his first, many times over. All throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, we are assured that Jesus Christ not only came the first time to be the Savior, but he's coming the second time as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he won't be born in a manger the next time he comes. We'll look at his second coming very soon in our study. Believers in Christ who stay faithful to God, who stay alert, who stay holy, even when this world is falling apart, we're given assurance in this passage that we will be blessed and secured by God no matter what happens.
That's our study of these bold judgments of God from Revelation chapter 16. Thank you for joining us for our study tonight. We encourage you to join us again next Sunday night as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. Until that time, may God bless you is our prayer. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.